0: Let's do it. Rolling. Welcome to the Different Knock Podcast and welcome to the warmest day of 2020 and probably 2021. This is the hottest day I've ever
1: experienced. I there's just no words for it. I, I put on a shirt to film this podcast and for when you FaceTimed me earlier, and I have not worn one today. So Alfie's had three showers.
0: <laughs> in one day, <laughs> three showers. Right. This podcast isn't about showers, it's about football. Foot, lads, footy. Way, hey, Arsenal. Oh, Arsenal. <laughs> no, anyway. So, welcome to the Different Knock podcast. Uh, it's about Arsenal. Uh, different knock because uh, it's something Raul Sanya he said once. Uh, but you probably knew that already if you're an Arsenal you're an eye for your proper Arsenal fan. And if you're not, well, you're, you're shit then, aren't you? <laughs> um, okay, so let's get started. So we are, uh, my name's Alex, and my co-host is? Uh, Bradley, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, you may never hear this episode. It could it could be lost to the ether. Maybe one day when we're, when we're podcast superstars, we'll look back, Brad, and we'll see this, we'll, we'll have a listen to this, and we'll go... <laughs> God, what amateurs?
1: What amateurs? Why do, we'll release we it to will. our public.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're probably on our Patreon or something. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, uh, obviously. It would be, be weird if I wasn't an Arsenal fan. I've yeah. uh, been an Arsenal fan uh,
1: my whole life. Uh, Bradley, yourself? Uh, yeah, also an Arsenal fan, because I think it'd be pretty weird to uh, co-hosts not being fans of the club they're going <laughs> to chat for 40 minutes about. But uh, yeah, I'm a, I've been an Arsenal fan since I was really, really young. I, I turned on FIFA
0: and I went on kickoff and I support my dad was from Manchester. So I support Manchester United. Uh, so I remember, you know, when Wayne Rooney made his debut for United or for Everton for you. I don't know. Oh, sorry. what a random question. Wayne Rooney made his debut and he scored a hat trick on his Champions League debut against like Fenerbahce or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember watching that game as a Man United fan.
1: Oh. So it's
0: around there. I made a decision. I went, right, I'm going to be an Arsenal fan. Because I'm enjoying success, I'm enjoying happiness too much,
1: and I literally just went.
0: I literally just went on FIFA, click kickoff, and the first team there was Arsenal. I was like, "Yeah, choose Arsenal." Oh uh, no! I, I think um, this was just post, like just post Invincibles era. Oof. So I literally missed everything.
1: Oh no! I I I became an Arsenal fan because the first football match my dad ever took me to was uh, I cannot remember how old I was. Uh, but was an Arsenal v Sunderland match because my dad is an avid Sunderland supporter. And Sunderland got absolutely thwacked by Arsenal. Thwacked. Uh, So me being a very impressionable young child decided that... uh... I would, I would support Arsenal because they were obviously better than Sunderland and uh, what a poor decision uh,
0: and the nightmares that yeah, it has brought you, me. You could have been a Sunderland fan. You would have had nothing and a Netflix series and that's about it to, to celebrate.
1: Or I could have been an Arsenal fan and had nothing and nothing. Hey, hey, no. So here's <laughs> what, some one FA of my Cups, topics. Some FA Cups. Are we
0: too downbeat as Arsenal fans? This is something I saw on Twitter earlier, right? 2014, FA Cup winners. 2015, FA Cup winners. 2016, Premier League runner ups, 17 FA Cup winners, 18 Carabao Cup runner up, 19 Europa
1: League runner ups, 2020 FA Cup winners. I think the issue is uh, it's, yeah, I agree with you that there are a lot of fans that are uh, very woe is me and downtrodden. Like, even though this is what is possibly the worst era in Arsenal football for probably about 30 years, we're still kind of. It's con- the banter era. It is the banter era. But I think the reason that it is the banter era is the way that we have capitulated in those moments. Like We've done very well in winning four FA Cups, but if you look at how we came runner-ups in the Europa League and and you look at how um, Mm. we came runner-ups in the Premier League, uh, the year that Leicester won it, you think, realistically, if we'd have just invested some of the money that we invested post that in that team, we could have won the league that year. And this is more the issue is it's how we have capitulated in big moments like European finals that kind of makes people go a bit doolally when we lose 4-1 to Chelsea. But I, I like at the end of the day, we're winning cups. We, we're a bit spoiled in the sense of, you know, we had an invincible era. We've had, what, three Premier Leagues in the Premier League history. We mm. won, f- I don't know how many FA Cups since the Premier League began, maybe about six. So we've not exactly gone through a massive. I mean, we went through that ten-year drought, but it's never been horrific. And even during that ten-year drought, we did come close a few times to to ending it. Mm. Uh, but I think it's. I think a lot of it nowadays is for views. I. am with you. I am with you. I, I, and also, uh, to pick up
0: on your first point as well, like even when we have, even the first time we won the FA Cup, we hardly did it in style. We were two 0 down to Hull. Yeah. Um. Obviously, and then the Premier League runner-ups was to Leicester. And, you know, Leicester were incredible that season, but... But gettable, you know, completely
1: gettable. Leicester.
0: Where's Morgan? Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, and the Carabao Cup, I think, you know, was a... a I remember the mistake from Mustafi and we sort of got outclassed. <laughs> Europa League we got outclassed. So I do hear you. I do. I, even when we're, you know, you can look at the... It's interesting, isn't it, when people, people kind of judge teams and judge players by cups and, and awards and stuff. Because there's yeah. such fine margins, these things. Um. So it's, you know, isn't it? you know league placement really and i suppose that's where the the, uh, the the real kind of stuff is born out and that's where we've been slipping and slipping definitely i went on our um our wikipedia in 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 uh, in research for this and you watch uh, like the average league and not the average league position it plots the league position every year and you just sort of see it starting to dwindle <laughs> you sort of go oh no <laughs> But we, we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. Okay, so one of the ways we're going to bring it back is in the transfer market. Transfers, transfers, transfers. Um, yes, okay. So, Willian. Um,
1: I'm I'm fairly optimistic. I know you don't share my optimism. It's difficult, isn't it? I will support the man if, he, if, well, it's not even a question of if it's when he signs for the club. I just think that it reeks of uh, really just unimaginative business. Because he's he turned thirty two today. I think the day we're recording this.
0: Happy birthday, William!
1: Happy birthday, William! The next uh, when this goes out, you could be an Arsenal player. Who knows? Who knows? If this goes out, (laughs) Uh, and I mean, he's he's not a bad player by any stretch. My issue is he's thirty two. We're giving him a three year contract with a possible possibility of a fourth year on from what i've seen reported between 100 to 120 30,000 pounds a week it's kind of it's going to be around that money and i'm just thinking that uh w- with that money and he'll get a signing on fee you're looking at it's going to cost arsenal between 25 and 30 million over the four years to do that deal and his output and also one thing that i really have an issue with in in that sense is where does he play because uh when i was looking up at his stats for um, for this season just gone. He's played 36 games, including substitute appearances in the Prem, but he's mainly played off the right. And, I, and he has played, I think, something like eight games off the left, but his main production, he scored five goals and got five assists in the league from the right side. And part of me just goes, we've just put 72 million down on Pepe. He's right-footed. So, I mean, he could play the same kind of role on the left that Pepe plays on the right, I just kind of think it's there are there are other options out there that would at least have sell on value. Like I looked at Ryan Fraser and his output this year has been horrific, absolutely abominable. But he's been playing in a, a very kind of ramshackle Bournemouth team who haven't been doing well, uh, an
0: abject Bournemouth team. And he's not been, in he by his own admission, I think he said he wasn't playing for the team. No, so. exactly.
1: And he's on a free, and he would be demanding about kind of the same wages as William, parity probably between the eighty and the hundred k mark. But he's only 26. So you kind of look at it and go, if because I think one of the main reasons that I see Arsenal fans talking about Willian is they're going, oh, we need him for squad depth. But that's all well and good. But for four years, at 120K, a rough cost of 30 million, when we've got players like Martinelli who plays on the left, though he's out till 2021, Saka on the left, I just go like, why don't we get somebody in like Fraser, whose output though has been atrocious, will at least in maybe two years' time have some sell-on value? When you know Saka's in his early twenties, Martinelli's in his early twenties, they've kind of progressed a bit if more. If they're still at the club, we sell him If they're still at the club, we sell. We could sell Fraser off for five million, or even nothing. Yeah. I it, it, it actually just has, for me, it makes a bit more sense because even though he is a worse player than William, I 100% know that and agree with that. We're only buying him for squad depth. So if we're doing it for squad depth... For me, though, it, he
0: the problem is, is is it does reek a bit of an unimaginative an business and it does kind of reek of short-term thinking, which we have been doing for a while now. You look at the likes of Mkhitaryan... Even Abamyang, to an extent, is it, it you know, Socrates. These are these are short-term options and short-term kind of um, you know, we're not exactly looking for a massive sell-on from Socrates when we're signing him at 29 or however old he was at 28, 29. Yeah. Um, but I do first and foremost, I trust Arteta, and first and foremost, I trust that the the recruitment has been better. In the last, let's say, 12 months and certainly under the new regime, certainly under Raul. Definitely, definitely, that under, last transfer
1: window is the best we've had yeah. in a and long you, time. You look
0: at, you know, Tierney, you look at, um, you know, I think Pepe will come good next season. You look at Saliba, who looks decent. You know, we, we, classic Arsenal fans were like, yeah, he's going to change the world. I mean, who knows? But, you know, he, he, he looks certainly, he's highly pro- promising, certainly, from what I've seen. He and could from be what a good player. Big time. Like, he's Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, even Louise on some level has worked out, um, and Martinelli, of course, was a, was a great find. So you know, and Ceballos as well, fantastic. So recruitment, especially under the new regime, has been really good, and I trust Arteta, I trust Arteta's footballing brain, and I trust his mm-hmm. his his ability to 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 look at a player. And I think in my sort of <laughs> in my sort of YouTube scouting. I yeah. <laughs> do like the look of him. You know, he picks up balls from deep and runs. Something I watched um I watched Chelsea versus Bayern last night and something I re- I watched and realized was Bayern have so many ball carriers. They have so many players oh, who can yeah. pick up the ball and just and and actually like make a bit of um you know get you know 20 30 yards up the pitch. And it's such an underrated, you know, people. It's such a, a kind of, you know, people talking about XG and you no know, formations and tactics and this kind of stuff. If you can have someone who can literally pick up the ball and run with it, as as kind of as kind of you know, route one Tony Pulis as that sounds, it's really important. And Willian, I watch, I watch him, I watch him um, on on you know on my YouTube scouting, and he, oh, he's feeling <laughs> a lot of that and a lot of the kind of you know, Willian, welcome to Arsenal. Question: He's he's picking up the ball from deep he's running with it and he's also playing he's playing in the channels he's playing between the lines he's picking up positions all around the pitch and I think that's not necessarily what we need but we do need someone who can who can run with the ball and, and pick up the ball in the sort of just you know just beyond the halfway line Beat a man definitely uh, beat a man and 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 play in and play in someone I imagine Willian might play a bit more centrally for us or or might play off the left inside with Tierney overlapping or something I don't know I also think in terms of a squad thing, he he knows David Luiz. He's Brazilian. Hopefully, you know, he'll he'll help Gabriel. Gabriel, Gabriel we'll come on to it in a minute. Um, I think potentially, you know, obviously he's got um, Marcinelli uh, there as well. I, I, I do see him. I think him and David Luiz own a restaurant or something.
1: I do see him. Yeah, they do with, with the agent, with their agent. It's him, David Luiz and Kia. They own it together <laughs> in London. Hilarious. I'd love to know what Kia does <laughs> at the restaurant. Just, just I just, I just, just love to know what he does anyway, right? and
0: you know, sort of says, you know, do this, do that, and I'll. Uh, Christ, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, we'll come on to Kieran in, in a in a in a moment, I'm sure. But for me, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic, and I'm I'm looking I'm looking at it positively because Unai Emery hasn't signed him.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I think and. With with William as well, one thing that we lost in the whole Guendouzi situation is Guendouzi was probably our best ball carrier in that midfield. Yeah. And with, without him... I mean, because,
0: like, like a headless chicken, but yes, still.
1: But, but do you know what I mean? At least he was moving the ball. Whereas when we when we lost him in the midfield, there was a lack of penetration from running from the midfield. Big because we've feet. got, I mean, Xhaka... A good left foot can pass the ball well. Can't really do much else. But you never see those. So the
0: only person we can who can progress the ball is Joe Willick at the moment. And Joe Willick is nowhere near the 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 professional level of Willian or anything like that.
1: Which is why, I, I, at the end of the day, I think it, it's if it I tr- I like you say, which we've got to trust in Arteta because he's done a fantastic job so far. And uh, if if we can utilize him well for at least two years of this three slash maybe four year yeah. contract, it will be good business. But he's a winner. I- he's, he
0: is a winner, and 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 he's a he's a he's experienced head. He's someone who can come in and, and immediately make an impact. He's pl proven. You know, I I just think he can be a good, a good mentor for you know Saka and Montanelli and.
1: Definitely, which is why I think that at the end of the day, it's going it, to, this is why it's happening. I think Arteta's looking at it and going, I could get somebody like a Fraser in for free who doesn't have, who hasn't had as good a season, but maybe would have some sell on value, but wouldn't add as much to the squad. Or I could get in a William who, for at least a year, if not two, can give me a decent level of output, will contribute more towards the squad. And because he is this proven winner who's gone to World Cups, who's won, was he there when they won the Champions League?
0: I think he joined 2013. So no. Okay.
1: So, I, I mean, he's won two Premier Leagues though, so yeah. we'll have at least done that and, and has this win, win, winning mentality that he can pass on to those players, like you say. Big time. Big time.
0: We'll wait and see what happens with that. Um, so th- something else we should probably come on to is the scouting reshuffle. Obviously the news this week of uh, Francis Kajigal uh, heading on, uh, discovered the likes of Martinelli, discovered the likes of Fabregas and Bayerin and stuff. Um when the news first broke, it, it did concern me. Uh, it was a, it was certainly a, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> Absolutely. But having read uh, a piece by Charles Watts in Goal this week, uh, Charles, let me just find it. Give me two seconds. Should have had this up before. There it is. So he talks about a kind of a a reshuffling. So and and these scouts are kind of. Um, supposedly they're not related to the 55 redundancies by the way you know obviously that's awful and my heart goes out to anyone who's lost their job um because Absolutely. of that it's, you know the fact that we've got a billionaire owner who can't i think some, someone did the maths and it was you know two and a half million for a year and, and you think you know we spent that on Dennis suarez <laughs> you just go what <laughs> jesus <laughs> Um Jesus. More than that, probably. He's worth
1: eight. He's worth eight point three billion US yeah. dollars.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't even want to get into it, to be honest. Um, but the the so the, the head of recruitment Francis Kajigau um, as Edu is kind of trying to put his his own blueprint in, and I've seen bits and bobs of people basically explaining that we're moving to a more of a freelance scouting role. Um, with more, you know, kind of uh, recommendations and less less sort of in-house scouting staff. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I have any idea whether that's a better model than the other. <laughs> uh, but I like that he's changing things because realistically, uh, you know, it's very easy over a 25-year career to pick out Martinelli, Bayerin. Um, uh, you know, Fabregas. Fabregas. It's very easy <laughs> to pick those out. Yeah. Like for every Fabregas, there's a Lucas Perez, and for every Bayern, there's a Beherin, there's, there's, there's an Andre Santos, Pascal Sigon and... or whatever.
1: Yeah. So yeah,
0: yeah. I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's quite a lazy argument to make, and going, well, look at all these players, and you know, we're, we're losing such a great guy. And I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's an amazing scout, and I, I, you know, wish him well and stuff. But I wonder whether the the new system. I'm interested. Let's say that.
1: It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I think a good mix of having some scouts employed at the club and having this freelance system would work. So you've still got the opportunity to find players like Fabregas, and Martinelli, all of those players. But you're not spending probably so much money on what actually, if you realistically look over the, what, 15 years we've been Arsenal fans, yeah. we can name five players that have been found through that scouting network. And I mean, I mean, there is, there is more, but, you know,
0: I think my point is more that for every single one you could name, you could name another who, you know, it, as in scouting yeah, isn't, isn't or it's three. not this thing that, you know, could never be changed and will never ever, you know, you know, we, we've got to find the best way of doing it. And I don't, I need to do more research. Absolutely. I don't know whether this is a, a new, um a thing that other clubs do or whatever, but, you know, if Edu does it, ultimately he's the technical director and, and it will bear out over the next five, six years. Hmm. Um. I mean, but also, I suppose the worry is, does that leave us in a bit more of a contact situation? Um. I suppose, you know, <laughs> the man, the myth comes up. Uh, Mister J, yep. Mister uh, Mister Kia, Mister Kia disruption. Uh, yeah, I uh, supposedly, you know, that's where it leaves us in a bit more of an agent-led situation. I. Saw the stats for our um, agent commissions paid. Um, we're nowhere near the likes of Liverpool and City and Chelsea and stuff. So I, oh, I'm no. not concerned or as concerned as most fans. The Kia stuff does concern me, considering we've basically been linked to every client he has. Well, we've already far. got,
1: I think we've got three on the books. Cedric Suarez, Pablo Mari and David Luiz. They're all Kia Is Pablo Mari? I didn't players. know that. Yeah, Pablo Mari is also a Kia, also a Kia Don, as some people would say. Kia Don. Uh, He's had his hand in a lot of the business that we've been doing, and not only that we've been doing, but that we've been linked to. You know, we've been linked with the likes of Coutinho, which is a Kia player. We've been linked with Willian, obviously, which looks like it's going to get done, and he's a Kia player. And... Uh, I think it's it's a mix of Arsenal fans at the moment, kind of having their cake and eating it. For years and years, we were kind of screaming at Arsenal for not buying the big superstars, which meant that we had to work with these big agents or intermediaries. Mm. And then now, when we're doing it at the kind of at the loss of some of the scouting network, people are going, "Well, we still want the scouting." It's it's a bit. It is just having your cake and eat it. At least with with people like Kia, though he he personally seems to be a very dodgy man. Yeah. You know, arrest warrants have been out on him in Brazil and in this country for the likes of the Tevez move to West Ham. We are going to have to work with people who are in that super agent or intermediary kind of mm. category to get links to these players, to a Coutinho, which personally I don't think is a good move for Arsenal because we need a creative midfielder rather than somebody who's just going to ping the ball from 30 yards Mm. every chance he gets. But we are going to need these contacts and these options. And at least for me, this is a step, whether it's the right step forward, this is at least still a slight step. step forward. Yeah. Yeah. It,
0: yeah, it's I mean it's so difficult to know, isn't it? And and but my my concern/happiness at the moment is that we've got Arteta and I don't Absolutely. think and I think I know how involved Arteta is in the recruitment process and I think anyone Arteta signs I kind of trust <laughs> certainly that he's done his or he knows that player or he thinks that that player is half decent. My worry is next summer Barcelona coming from Mikel Arteta um and we're left with a with no scouting structure with no um you know with no real idea of where our recruitment policy is headed i mean i suppose that that's what Edu is there for to to kind of you know mean that you can hire and fire the coach wherever and whenever but but arteta feels more like a manager to me personally than a coach um he, you know, he he appears to be putting pressure on the board in a way that a coach might not be able to, and he appears to be, uh, you he's know, got much big more involved. Balls. Yeah. Well, he, you know, even if he is just coach, he's he he, he his his voice holds more weight, I think. So
1: and I, yeah, I think that's the thing is that he his title at the club is head coach, but he is acting like a manager. He's coming yeah. out, um, basically saying to the Cronkies and to the board. That uh, and to the public that he doesn't even know if he's going to get back in the transfer market, yeah. which is obviously going to get the fans on on the board and the Cronkies is back. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's good that he's kind of got this, this big set on him that means Cojones. that he is not afraid. He's really not afraid to come out and to criticise these people and to demand these things. My only mm. issue is, as is a club that has kind of historically not invested enough Will a club who that that is because you've got to look at he's been our manager for six to eight months. He's already won an FA Cup. We're fourth, I think, in the points position since Arteta's joined. And if a club comes in with with serious reserves of cash that they're willing to spend on players, Arteta, though an ex-Arsenal player and now coach, I don't think would be loyal enough to the club in this like weird sense of kind of loyalty to stay. He would leave.
0: Certainly not in a position where he's, if he's not being supported, if he, if he's not being supported and if he's not getting, getting the support that he, I mean, I, I, I imagine his, and you've got to remember that was his second job interview for the Arsenal job. You know, he's not, yeah. I doubt he sat there going, Oh, I'll never get this opportunity again. He's there going, you want me, <laughs> you better, you better bat me in the summer. And let's hope they do because you know, yeah. Otherwise, we're we're falling into obscurity. I mean, thank God for Aubameyang. Um Speaking of yeah, which, I... the
1: Arsenal admin
0: <laughs> needs oh, to. <laughs>
1: Stop. He I just... do not have my notifications on <laughs> to see pictures of David Louise and Kieran Tierney or random <laughs> clips of them scoring goals. It's no, not why it's, they're there. It's
0: also like it's also like oh. unnecessary things about Aubameyang. Or like you yeah. know, Louise passing to Aubameyang or something. It's like, oh um, come on, you know what you're doing. They always do it though. If you watch they and every every do. announcement, they they've they've, they've hidden stuff and they've. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's funny. Okay, uh, so I listened to Joe Willock on a on a podcast this week. Uh, I think it's called the Beautiful Game Podcast. Okay, it's very good, um, guys. If you're listening, please sort out your internet connection. That was the, my main problem with the whole podcast. Was you kept hearing people go like that and you're like well, I don't this is so hard to listen to uh anyway so who's on this podcast and uh the, it, they were asking about Una Emery so one guy basically said oh well, we've heard that um we've heard that there was some communication problems and can you kind of can you kind of shed any light on that and Joe Willock is um I would say a man of few words uh, it was a lot of yeah well you know um yeah so yeah <laughs> um but he it, when it came to the uni question he essentially they said you know and it was there was there a communication problem he was just like um well you know the boss had his ways and uh like he just <laughs> he could not find it in him to go yeah he couldn't and he said something you know he said something very nice about yo. Oh yes, well you know, and I had problems, you know, with the language, and you know, he struggled, which we all sort of knew. But he, you could just have a listen to it; it's brilliant because you could just sort of tell he's kind of like trying not to answer the question. They keep trying to like box him into the question. He just won't have it. It's yeah. so um. But yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a it's a it's a good podcast. Have a listen to it.
1: I think that you, the Arsenal fans, have been able to tell that from. I mean, that one of the last interviews he ever did. I can't remember the exact quote, but he said something like, you know, I believe I can take more with the players and yes, we can move. Thank you. Yes. And you're like and the issue is, is like it's it's more the sense of if you can't get your point of view across to your players. And I think this this was one of the major problems under Emery is we didn't seem like we had a structure. And I think that a lot of that is down to the fact that he could not communicate that to his players. Could not... Com- because, it, I mean, did he fail when he went to Russia and did he fail when he went to France? Absolutely. You know, you Russia? look at his. Yeah, he, he was a manager in Russia, I think, for a little while. Give it a Google. Hang on. But... my um, memory. And this is the issue. Yeah, is he, went to, he went to Spartak Moscow, Brad. You're right. With him... It was always massive. I think the biggest issue was that communication. It's no surprise that in Spain, he had the most success that he ever had with Sevilla, winning three consecutive Europa Leagues. Like anyone can say, oh, yeah, but, you know, but people didn't care about the Europa League at that point, oh, yada, yada, yada. He still did it against teams that were stronger, you would think, technically or man for man, than that Sevilla team. But I do think that. I, I think he'll probably do well at Villarreal versus what he did at Arsenal because at least he will be in a club where he can use his native language to communicate the ideas that he needs to communicate.
0: I I don't think Unai is a bad manager. I honestly think the communication thing is always seen as a factor, but I think it was the factor. Oh,
1: absolutely, if you
0: can't, and it's also it it does. It's not just about the on the pitch stuff. It's about it's about off the pitch. People thinking they can approach you, people. Uh, you know, you see Arteta taking people under under his wing and 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 having private conversations, even on even on TV after a match or whatever,
1: in their native language as well. In their native
0: language, and you and you can't imagine Unai pulling, you know, Saka or Willock or Nketiah aside and and really getting at them and really you know lighting a fire in their belly. But it, and it's hard because it sounds so kind of like. It's so difficult because it, it sounds like you're going. Oh, you know, this foreign manager came over, didn't learn the language, see you later. And there was a real kind of xenophobic vibe around Arsenal for for a while, which I didn't like. There was a real kind of, and I, I get the the sort of good evening, and I that's quite funny. But there's a part of me that like the 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 sort of the the hatred towards Unai was very much around the fact that he couldn't speak English. It wasn't a sort of, it didn't feel like a fun thing. It felt like a, you know, the good evening turned, turned into a, it turned out from a, a, a kind of playful, um, uh, you know, sort of jib at him into a, yeah you know, a mocking thing. And I, and I, I didn't really like that. No. And I
1: think I, that's, it's a real issue because, you know, foreign managers have come into this club, uh, to the, to this country before, you know, and to this club before, you know, Arsene Wenger clear example of uh, I mean the man speaks seven languages so communicating was never really an issue but yeah I do agree with you that there was this real vibe that turned. it wasn't logical they weren't a lot of people weren't looking at the real issues that were in the club and that were there with the with because the style of play there wasn't one because there wasn't a structure that he could communicate because he couldn't communicate. And that's all they looked at was the fact that he couldn't really speak English. And a lot of fans did seem to latch onto that. But I think that that just speaks of a massive undercurrent in football of racism nowadays. And not even just nowadays, since the kind of the inception of football. And I know this is not a topic yeah. that we plan on getting onto and we can maybe discuss this <laughs> in a further podcast. A separate but one. yeah. It is yeah. an
0: undercurrent
1: I think, I think in modern day a... football.
0: Big time, big time. I think that's a that's a topic for another day. But but yeah, big time. It's it's it, it, it was certainly um, concerning. Okay,
1: last few before we go. Uh, Torreira thoughts. Uh, when he came, I saw that he was, uh, and a lot of people I saw they were kind of linking him to be like this next like Uruguayan cante. And I think that he's got a lot of he's got a good work rate. He's got a lot of energy, and he can stick a tackle in but my issue is that he's quite lightweight and being that small he's not particularly strong so it well he's strong for his size but his size is small yes. unfortunately and i think i think this was also an issue with other other and why we were talking about like kind of like pivots and why i personally don't think Coutinho is a good move because i think one of the main issues that we have in our squad at the moment even though it has been cried out for. Is not. It's not the defence. It's the midfield. The reason that mm. you see David Louise getting caught so much, making mistakes and conceding penalties is because there is no protection in that midfield. Because we're, there's no structure really. There's no structure and there's no protection. And well, there,
0: well, there certainly wasn't. And I think people kind of confuse mm. this. And, and not to sort of cut, cut across your point, but I think people sometimes confuse this with like having some massive six foot four DM Absolutely. who's going to, you know, like the, the likes of William Carvalho. And it's it's not about that. No. But Torreira
1: isn't that guy. And with Ceballos, we've ga- gained a bit of that. But my personal thing is, I don't think we will ever be kind of a title challenging side or anything like that with Granit Xhaka in the team, because the only thing that he can do is pass the ball. Which is a fantastic attribute and something we really need at the moment, because we do not have a lot mm. of players that can do that.
0: But if we, the technic- he's he's got a really high technical ability, yeah. which is why he stands out at the moment. But if
1: we get if we get in somebody like Coutinho, my real worry is, is we turn from kind of a three man midfield, in uh, in the defensive kind of transition to almost a one man midfield if we're playing a Sabios or if we're playing a Torreira or mm. if we sign somebody and we're playing it, it just. We need uh, almost a double pivot in that midfield that can put up some defensive action. And I think that a big issue with this club at the moment is that we don't have that. We don't. And the reason is because we need to play Xhaka. We need to play Xhaka in 99% of our games because we need somebody with that technical ability. But then it leaves us open because we've only got one man, really. On the defensive end, which is Danny Ceballos, and he's not even particularly defensive.
0: He's not at all, really. I think I'd, I'd prefer Danny much rather. I think if you could create Granite Torreira, <laughs> you'd love it absolutely. Um, and and you know, give Granite a bit more of of Torreira's energy and and mm. panache in the midfield, and his mobility uh, uh, plus like, his plus and his mobility yeah. plus Granite's technical ability plus uh, Granite's range of passing, you've got a world class midfielder absolutely. there. But we just and which is why the, the the Xhaka, Torreira, and um, when when Arteta came in, I think they complement each other very well. But unfortunately, they don't they're not quite what we need, um, which is a shame. In terms of what I do with him, I personally would sell him yeah. just because I think his stock's going to go down the more we don't play him, um, and the more I think I think we could get I think we could get twenty two twenty. Three twenty-four 24 mil for him or something like that around that sort of, you know, back to Italy or, or to to maybe even to a Spanish club. Um He I, I wouldn't really suit Spanish football, certainly Italian football, potentially German football, I don't know. Um But yeah, I, I just think he's a bit, he's a bit meh.
1: I, and and I, I think, you know, yeah. right
0: now, if we can get 20, say 25 mil for him, why not?
1: Absolutely. I don't
0: think, I don't think Arteta likes him.
1: Realistically as well, we've got to look at we need to be rebuilding some parts of this squad, and we're going to need money to do that. And historically, Arsenal's owners have not put money in, and we have generated money from player sales. And if yeah. you're looking at the squad at the moment, one of the one of the kind of there's probably maybe two or three saleable assets, and one of yeah. them is Torreira. You're looking at Torreira. You're Mid-time. looking at Gwenda. Uh, certainly
0: for any for any kind of decent cash.
1: Yeah, you're looking at Torreira, Gwenda, and Lacazette those are the three players that if you sold them could generate kind of between 20 and 35 million pounds, depending on who you got playing.
0: Yeah. So, so Laka
1: for you, uh, well,
0: well, let's finish on the Torreira thing. I, I'm in agreement. And also he wears a number 11, which is a stupid number for a defensive midfield player. Um, so, uh, <laughs> he's got to go. Um,
1: so for you, Lacazette? Uh, I think we've got to sell him personally. I think, uh, one of the reasons that we have him, you said that as if we're
0: like we're gonna like amputate his leg. Uh, uh, we're gonna have to sell him.
1: Because like the thing uh, is, is, I love the man. Because I, I, he was, yeah. he's been one of my favourite players, just because you know, I, 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 his personality, I like, like I just like what I see, um, and I liked him in the French league. I just think the issue is, is if you're talking about selling him, you're talking about replacing ten to fifteen goals a season, and I don't think that's hard. I think we'll do that with Willian yeah. and, a, and a decent attacking midfield signing. And then we've got backups in Nketiah and Martinelli to play that centre-forward position.
0: Yeah, and we do that with Pepe adding a few more goals to his game, hopefully, I, as you yeah. say, someone from midfield. And I,
1: I mean, I would worry that we, if Aubameyang gets an injury, we are severely lacking depth up front. So, which is why if we did sell him, I would really want us to get in another 24 to 26-year-old striker to kind of deputise in that position. But I, I think it is... We're trying to change the play style at the club by bringing in players like William and possibly bringing in players like Thomas Partey and Gabriel and Philip Coutinho. If we are bringing in these types of players, Lacazette no longer fits that play style because one of the best things that he is, one of his best qualities is, is his hold up play, his ability to kind of hold off a man, keep it up, and then bring Pepe or bring Abayang into play. And if we have players like Coutinho or Partey, and Willian on the left who can play those balls we no longer need somebody to hold up play and bring them in and I think if we get a Willian and we play him on the left we're going to be putting a Bamiyang through the middle and Lacazette is too much of an asset to sit on the bench and depreciate for another 12 months
0: I agree with your last statement I, I don't think we're ever going to see a Bamiyang straight down the middle I just don't I think Arteta fancies him off the left I... Th- it's difficult because Lacazette's played a. He's been dropping deep, um, especially in the last, especially in the games against uh, sort of Chelsea, City, Liverpool Absolutely, in those last yeah, few yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. He was dropping deep. He was he was linking up play. He was sort of playing where we'd need, say, a Coutinho playing. Absolutely, yeah. So I wonder whether you know he if we if we don't. I imagine it may well be a sy- systemic thing where. If we can get someone who who can play in those pockets, who can play where where he would have to drop deep, essentially, I um I wonder whether Lacazette would go. I don't I don't think if I don't think if we get if we don't get a sort of a central attacking midfield player, say even a or or even a number eight who sort of makes late runs like say a Ramsey or a or a say a who Ouar or our or whatever his name is. Um, someone who's a bit more in that mould. Yeah. I wonder whether he'll be there, but I think he does do a good job and I think Arteta likes him. My concern is physically he is... I can't, I, I haven't seen him run in years.
1: And I, I think that is systemic though because we have the sprinters almost in Pepe and Aubameyang. Lacazette now isn't that person that's going to be kind of sprinting in to tap in that. Because I think that Lacazette is personally a better finisher than Aubameyang. If you look at kind of just finishing quality, he, if you look at the goal like against Tottenham, for example, like I know, I know what you he mean. He can strike I, a ball I, I, well. Yeah. Abameyang just gets himself He's a better striker of the ball, yeah. I would say. Yeah. That's, that's the right <laughs> Not phrase. Not a better finisher. No, that's the right <laughs> phrase. Um, but our play style needs somebody in that pocket and in that hole that people can run off. And I do think that this summer it's likely that we'll sell him. And we'll go to a system where we do play a Bamiyang up front. We'll have a Cam. And then as a Bamiyang runs up the left, like he would be if he was playing off the left in this system, we'd have a Willian Mm. or a Cam to kind of progress the ball. And then he can make the same sort of runs. It will just mean that technically, Mm. if you were to look at a lineup, he'd be playing through the centre, even though realistically he'd always be favouring that left side. What's,
0: yeah, what's difficult is... I think Arteta is currently obviously playing with, with what he's got, and yeah. uh, you know <laughs> what he's got isn't a lot, and uh, you know it, it, I think you know for example that even the three at the back that is protecting David Luiz, that is protecting Mustafi, and that is protecting potentially Kolasinac alongside them. Um, so yeah, uh, <laughs> I I very interested to see the system Arteta you know plays next year. My suspicion will be and this is you know very quite a lazy thing in that obviously Guardiola plays it but I'd imagine it's sort of a 4-3-3 a fluid 4-3-3 but Pep Pep seems to overthink things I mean he put you know he put Foden at like false 9 yesterday and you go like I'm sure honestly obviously imagine I've got a better football body than Pep I don't (laughs) I think I think what what I'm saying is you know Pep clearly knows what he's doing
1: Pep is so (laughs) clever, he starts to go to places that no one else would ever think think of, so it's not necessary. Like that Foden of False Nine. It's it's probably an incredibly smart move that would really bring in the wing as well. But I don't think, and I think he normally does it to kind of counteract other people. But I don't, he's so clever and goes to these places that no one else ever goes to that it's almost pointless. Yeah,
0: I, like I'm sure there's something about you know Foden's body shape that means you know Varane's weaker on his left. You know, I'm sure there's some unbelievably smart thing that that, that is a that it, if tactically neither you or I could ever understand. But I think Arteta is a bit more rigid in his in his football philosophy in terms of how he wants to play every week. Yeah, um, or certainly will be over the next couple of years while we're just implementing is it. You remember that sort of Liverpool sort of. Seventeen, eighteen, where they were just absolutely—you know—they'd they, ship a couple of goals, but they were absolutely dominant on on top. And I'm not saying that they um, that we're going to go with that system, but what I mean is that they were just—they were pretty much the same team every week, and it was the same—you know—they were really trying to implement right. This is how Liverpool plays, um, and yeah, I I, I imagine that's what the plan is but what that system is i i imagine is a 4-3-3 but I, I that's me massively kind of um projecting i
1: wouldn't be surprised if you consider kind of the fact that he studied under pep and if you look at the system that he's played so far he has liked to go with kind of a three man up front situation with alba on the left lacquer up yeah. front and pepe on the right and i think that with a lot of the players we and with modern football nowadays a 4-3-3 is a good formation because you've got a three man yeah. pivot in that midfield you can have somebody more attacking and then two maybe more progressive or defensive minded midfielders i it wouldn't it, i i think i like you i'm pretty sure it is going to be that 4-3-3 situation once we get the players to play a 4-3-3 i just don't think i th- i think if we had the players currently if we had a a decent defensive midfielder like uh, like mm. a Partey or an Indeedy or somebody of that ilk, we mm. would be playing a four three three because that person would so sit too. back and defend whilst the other two midfielders could progress. In at
0: full back and centre back, and, but yeah. because
1: we don't have that, and it means that that is exposing our kind of fraudulent centre backs. Yeah, it's really really telling that we've constantly had to go for this three at the back with two wing backs and two centre midfielder system to constantly protect Xhaka and his lack of mobility or to protect David Luiz or to protect Danny Sabayos. It has been this constant thing of we are currently only playing this system because we have not got the players necessary to play another system. And you can see by the players that we're being linked to with Coutinho, with Party, and with Gabriel, who's another ball-playing centre-back, that he does want to go for a more expansive ball-playing kind of philosophy. But until we get those players, we will be stuck in this rigid system where we need to play a certain way to just grind out a result.
0: Final one: uh, you can sell two, buy two. Who are you going?
1: Uh, are we going realistic? Yeah, I think I think I we, think have we to. should. <laughs> um, we're not on FIFA. We're not on FIFA. Sell two, buy two. Uh, I'm not going to include William because that looks like it's getting done. If I could sell two, I would sell Torreira and I would sell Lacazette because I think that they would both garner in. Oh, actually, no, I would sell Torreira and I would sell Gwendozy and I would bring in Thomas Partey if we had the funds from those two moves and I would bring yeah. in Gabriel from Lille at centre-back because even though we've got eight centre-backs on our books, we would probably only keep around three of them if we were to mm. really have our way
0: if we if we had our way and i imagine the likes of socrates potentially holding potentially chambers all those injured might m- be moving on
1: chambers is one i think i'd like to keep because i think he offers a g- chambers offers a good amount of versatility like he can he can deputize at dm he can de- like he did for fulham even though they were atrocious and went down he could deputize mm. at center back and i know we've got like seven right backs but he can also deputize there he was there. He, he was Fulham's Player of the Year, and I th- yeah, and I think that if we're looking at, you be, I think for a Premier League season, including European football, you're going to need five to six centre backs to compete. Mm. And you think we've got Saliba, we're keeping Louise. Uh, if we keep Chambers, realistically, we're probably, if we're lucky, going to get this Gabriel guy in. That's four. Mm. We're looking at kind of being at that bare minimum if we sell the is the Mustafes... On all of them. So I I do think mm. keeping a Chambers would be good because it also fills the okay. homegrown contingent.
0: True. I'm going, Gwen See you later. Agreed. Spoiled little brat. The, um, the pure
1: banter of him t- telling Neil Morpai that he uh, earned more than him when he didn't even earn more. Of literally it. doesn't. No, it was just um, brilliant. It was just brilliant.
0: Uh, Gwendozi and I'm g I'm i am I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Lacazette as well. I don't I I think if you know as long as we keep a Bamiyang I'd bring in I'd sell Lacazette and I'd bring in a centre forward or a, certainly someone who can play somewhere across the front three. Who that is I don't know, and I would I, I like the look of uh I don't know how to say his name, Aouar? Our. Our Yeah. Hussein, Our just because he, he can progress the ball he, and everything I watch of him, he's he's press resistant and he's he's someone who he just looks exciting. He looks like he's gonna pick up the ball and I've I've said pick up the ball and run about fifteen times this episode. It's not the only thing I care about.
1: I just think the issue I think the issue with a player like that is that is a luxury signing, and if we do not have the protection in the midfield, he will be the exact same as Almost an Ozil, in the sense of he will be carried in a team. Oh, I'd sell Ozil. I'd sell Ozil. I'd sell Ozil. I, yeah, but you, the That's thing is, if, you, if you're thinking realistically, we're not getting any money for Ozil. I'm not thinking realistically, Brad. At this point, I just want him gone. Yeah.
0: I love the man. I have a shirt with his name on. But please, mate, just for the sake of you, for the sake of the club. And on that cheery note, Brad. Definitely. Um, <laughs> I'm literally going to melt if we don't finish this episode soon. Oh, so I, I uh, think it's been a pleasure, uh, so it's been a pleasure it's been an absolute pleasure what a great first episode I feel like we've covered a lot um, I'll get that edited and I will um, you have a listen and then we'll see what we think brilliant thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast with Alex and Brad we're going to be doing these twice a week uh, one episode will come out on a Monday and one episode will come out on a Thursday uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that get a save on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts um Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.